This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Romans. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. You need to, you need to look at your life that way and say, okay, the person I used to be, the things I used to do that I knew were displeasing to God, my sinful life, my sinful choices, all that other stuff that now I'm convicted about, that before I wasn't convicted about because there was no conflict, but now I'm convicted, I'm aware of my sin, I'm thankful and in awe of what Christ has done for me, I need to consider that my old life is now dead, buried, gone. In the Bible, salvation is sometimes described as being made into a new creation. A new creation is not the same creation, and in order for a new creation to be formed, the old creation has to die. In today's message, Pastor Gary will remind you that when you come to Christ, you're made new. The old you is gone. Now, this doesn't mean you've lost your personality or your unique gifting gift by God, It means that the old sin nature has been done away with. You are free in Christ as your restored self. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Romans chapter 6 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Let's take our Bibles and go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. So we left off last week uh, in the middle of chapter 6, the, the middle of chapter 6, the, my, my Bible is subtitled Slaves to Righteousness. But in order to do justice to the whole context, I'm going to go back and actually read from verse 1 of chapter 6. So I'm going to read 1 through verse 14, and then we can um, kind of summarize where we were last week at the close of last week's Bible study and then carry on because uh, chapters 6, 7, and 8 are critically important to understand and to understand them together. Paul is going to now be writing here in, in very deep and profound ways about a struggle that you and I are all familiar with. Uh, you may not uh, have written about it in these terms, but as he writes, you're going to relate because he's going to describe here the battle that is within us. He's going to describe the two natures within every single human being. There's a fleshly nature. The NIV calls it the sinful nature. King James Bible just simply refers to it as the flesh. Those are our base carnal human appetites. Not every base carnal human appetite is necessarily wrong. I suppose maybe I shouldn't use the word carnal in in that same uh, description. Every human appetite is not wrong. But physically speaking, fleshly speaking, we have a nature that wants to live contrary to God, that wants to please self and live for self, and wants to, uh, therefore, if you want to live for your pleasure and you want to live for your personal ambitions, um, then we tend to live contrary to God and for our own sinful desires. And, And so there's this fleshly part of us that is in constant conflict with God. Uh, there is also the nature of the spirit that he's going to write about. And when someone gets saved, the spirit becomes alive. And, and let me just kind of set the stage so that we all understand that 
Every human being is an inferior trinity, if you will. There's, a, there's three parts to every human being in an inferior way when we say the word trinity, obviously compared to the triune Godhead, which is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But every single one of us is made up of body, soul, and spirit. That's our trinity, if you will. We are one individual with three components, and those three components are body, soul, and spirit. Before you get saved... It is in that vertical alignment where the body is dominant. Your fleshly desires, your own personal appetites, your pleasure, your wants, everything selfish about you. Your physical body dominates your soul, which is your mind and your will and your emotions, and, and then, then your spirit. So it's in that order. Body dominates and then dominates your mind, and your spirit is basically dead. Though it is within you, it is, it is not alive until you come into relationship with Christ. And when you do, that gets inverted, and the spirit becomes alive, it becomes quickened, where before it was simply dead. It was there, but it was dead. It had no life in it, because sin has separated us from God. We had no ability to relate and to connect to God, because God is spirit, and man must worship him in spirit and in truth. And while our spirit was dead, we had no ability to commune and connect with him. When you exercise your mind, though, and you come into relationship and engage your heart in a personal relationship with Jesus, that that three part of who you are is inverted, and now the spirit is dominant. And though the flesh still wants to reign, the spirit now has been made alive and reigns over the mind and continues to subdue the body. But there will always be that conflict. Make no mistake about it. When you become a Christian, the conflict begins. Before you were, you were a Christian, you had no real conflict. Why? Because you just did whatever you jolly well wanted to do. You lived for yourself. You pleased yourself. It was all about self. Selfish ambitions, self, uh, selfish goals, selfish desires. It was all about self. It wasn't about God. Then you get saved. You come into relationship with Christ. You accept what Jesus did on the cross for you. Now your spirit is made alive. And now there's this conflict within you because you still have a body of flesh. Until the day you die, you and I still have a body of flesh. And with that body of flesh are all the appetites that go with it, all the desires, all the cravings, all the sinful pleasurable things that we want to imagine and engage in. And thus, the spirit is in conflict with the flesh. And that battle will be continual until the day we die, and then our spirit separates from our body, and then we go to be with the Lord, and then we get a new glorified body that's imperishable, okay? So that's a glorious day that is ahead. In the meantime, how do you deal with this conflict? And this is real stuff because, listen, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is, this is where real people who come to relationship with Christ need to understand the battle that ensues. And the old man and the new man or the old woman and the new woman. And, and how do you reconcile these two? And, and the war that is real here and, and the conflict that you feel. And there are times that you do stuff you don't want to do and you think, why did I do that? And then there are times that you're kind of surprised. And then, and, and so Paul's going to describe all of this here in Romans 6, 7, and 8. The outcome is wonderful and the outcome is encouraging, but we got to get through a lot of this stuff first before we can get there. So let me read the first 14 verses, and then we'll come back and take a look at this some more. Now, at verse 1, we have, we have a couple of questions here. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Okay, so I mentioned last week that Paul anticipates three objections 
or questions about grace. Because if you remember from last week's study, in chapter 5, Paul communicates how salvation is like a gift. And a real gift can't be earned. A real gift is given to you because somebody loves you and they just want to bless you. And that's the way salvation is. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You and I are just simply recipients of the goodness of God. That's why grace has been broken down sometimes like an acronym, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Christ dies on a cross, offers us forgiveness of sins and salvation. What do I have to do to earn that? Nothing. How can I work my way into God's good favor? You can't. It's all a gift. And Jesus Christ died for us, and then he extends to us the free gift of salvation. So it's, it's free because it's all about his grace. Well, a lot of people struggle with that because most of us are oriented towards working for something, earning something, achieving something. And even in Paul's day, you know, people especially who were religious people, they thought of themselves as people who had to work hard to please God and do all these various things, jump through hoops and do all kinds of stuff so that God would love them and like them. And there's the difference, by the way. It's hard for us to sometimes accept the fact that this is a total gift. I don't have to do anything to earn it. I can't work my way to heaven. This is a gift that is given to us, but we have to receive it. And so grace is sometimes an issue which is hard for people to understand and accept. And knowing this, Paul recognizes you're going to have some objections and some questions to grace. And here's the first one that he anticipates. I'm summarizing what we just read in verse 1. He says, if God's grace abounds when we sin, can we continue sinning to experience God's grace? I mean, if all this good news about grace is true, then why don't I just go on doing whatever I want to do because there's plenty of grace to go around. And Paul answers it there in verse 2. He says, by no means. You can't can't just continue sinning just because you think, well, now that there's grace, I'm just going to go ahead and do whatever I want because there's plenty of grace. He says, by no means. Now notice, he says, we died to sin. And the word died, death, or buried, or all, all of these things related to death is mentioned here in verses 1 to 14. The word dead, or some version of the word, is mentioned 15 times. I'm just going to read it straight. He says, we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were bar- baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life, a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with that we should be no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, this is a very important verse here, verse 11, highlight it. In the same way, Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness, for sin shall not be your master." Because you are not under law, but under grace. Okay? Now again, the law was all about working, achieving, accomplishing, doing, performing. 
Christ dies on a cross and he says, no longer is it about performing and achieving. It's now about receiving what I've done for you on the cross. This is why Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. He fulfilled for us what we were incapable of fulfilling for ourselves, that the law was put in place to lead us to Christ, but the law itself can't save us. The law just exposes to us the problem. Okay. It's like a thermometer. When you're sick and you, and you have to take your temperature, the thermometer doesn't save you or help you or heal you. The thermometer just exposes you got a problem. That's the law. It itself could not help you. It simply exposed that there's a problem. And that problem became something that mankind could not remedy himself or herself. So God comes to earth, dies on a cross, says, I'll die in your place. I'll pay the price for your ugly sin. I will come as the perfect sacrifice in your place. I'll take the punishment that you should have received. I will come as the great exchange, my life for your life, so that if you believe in what I've done, you don't have to suffer for your sin. You don't have to pay the consequences. You can receive it as a gift, forgiveness of sins, and go to heaven when you die. It's a wonderful deal, friends. It's a wonderful deal. Now, what Paul says here, though, is, When you come to faith in Christ, notice again verse 11. He says, in the same way you have to count yourselves, King James says, reckon yourselves, decide, realize this, count yourselves dead to sin. All right, let's just stop at that first part. He says, you have to count yourselves dead to sin. There is a disposition that every Christian needs to have. And that is that when you come to faith in Christ, the old person is dead. You need, to, you need to look at your life that way and say, okay, the person I used to be, the things I used to do that I knew were displeasing to God, my sinful life, my sinful choices, all that other stuff that now I'm convicted about that before I wasn't convicted about because there was no conflict, but now I'm convicted, I'm aware of my sin, I'm thankful and in awe of what Christ has done for me, I need to consider that my old life is now dead. Buried, gone. I, I'm not going to, listen, here's the problem that some Christians run into. They think they can rehabilitate the old self. You can't rehabilitate the old self. The old self needs to die and stay dead. I remember as a kid, I don't know, I was probably like six, seven, eight years old, flipping through channels, and that was the day when you had to get up and actually move the channels with your hands. And I remember flipping the channels and adjusting the rabbit ears. Some of you had no idea what I'm talking about. That's such a shame. But anyway, and I, and I, and, and then it was black and white too. Incredible. But anyhow, so I, but I had this vivid scene. It was some Western. I was watching some cowboy Western movie and, and I, and I, on TV. And I remember that there was this scene where some guy got shot or something. And so they buried him. And, and this is, and you know, this is a time they, they had covered wagons and it was in, you know, in the prairie somewhere. And, and so they did, it's not like they could, you know, haul him along the rest of the, of their journey across, you know, mid America. So they just had to bury the guy. And so they buried him and it was kind of a shallow grave, if you ask me. And, and even as like a six or seven year old, I remember thinking, that doesn't seem very deep. And so they piled a bunch of rocks over top of this guy. And I mean, just a bunch of rocks. And then you can hear the music and, and then the covered wagons started leaving and, you know, and there was some tears and people were crying and off they left. And then, and then just you were left looking at this pile of rocks where this guy had been buried. 
and it's kind of a somber moment. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the rocks begin to move a little bit. And then the guy just sticks his hand up through the rocks. And I can just remember like seeing his hand from his elbow up and just being freaked out by that. And I just thought, you know, and what happened was they prematurely buried him. Obviously, the guy wasn't dead. They, it was before CSI and all this stuff. So they didn't have any idea. No stethoscopes. So they, they didn't know. you know, I, I think the guy looks dead. Let's pile some rocks on him. And that's basically what they did. But he wasn't really dead. And I just remember sitting there thinking, they got to come back and kill the guy, you know? And so, which is a tragic thought, because I should have been thinking, like, they need to help him, revive him. But we have to kill the guy. We have to look at our old self and say, that person is done and dead and buried, can't go back, can't do the old things, it's over with. That person is history. And you see, the problem becomes when we try to straddle the fence and we're like, well, you know... I still want to do some of those things, and I still want to go to heaven, and so I'm just going to try to do a little bit of both. One foot in the church, one foot in the world. You know how that goes. That's a miserable life, friends. That is a miserable life. In Revelation, Jesus said, I would that you were either hot or cold, but to be lukewarm. He says, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. And we need, we need to make decisions as Christians. That that old self, that old person, and those old ways, those that... That's gone. Now, as I said last week, for some of you, that's an easier transition because that old self got you in a lot of trouble, was miserable, was excruciating. Maybe there were, as the result of that old person, a lot of fallout. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe a marriage disintegrated. Maybe your kids can't stand you. And there's a lot of stuff. And so you're like quick to leave that old life and start a new life. And there's others of you that, you know, you, you, you liked that old life. And you're not so convinced that that old life was that bad. And it's harder for you to make the, the transition. But the transition needs to be made. Because you can't be straddling both worlds. you you got to go all out, recognize Jesus went all out, sacrificed his life, dies on a cross, not so that we can be lukewarm, but so that we could be on fire for him. And it means we're going to have to reckon that self, that old self, consider that old self dead, gone, and buried. You make no concession. The, the Bible says, he's, he's going to tell us later, Romans 13, verse 14, he says, do not even think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Don't even think about it. And in, in Ephesians 4, verses 22 to 24, Paul says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So there's all these various descriptions in the Bible that talk about old self, new self, dead man, alive man. Um, and we need to understand that's the Christian life. You accept Christ as your savior. The battle is on. Now you're going to have to make some choices. Am I going to live for the glory of God as my Lord and savior? Or am I still going to be pleasing of my own sinful nature and living for my own desires? There has to be a clean break. There has to be the reckoning of the old person dead and buried and living a new life for the glory of God. Galatians 5.24 tells us to crucify the sinful nature. But you know the thing about crucifixion is it's a slow, painful death. That's a slow, torturous death. Dying to self will be a slow and torturous thing. It will not come easily and it will not come overnight. We have to decide every day when we get up, we're going to die to self today. We're going to crucify the sinful nature. We're going to live for the glory of God. 
It's a daily battle. It is a battle, friends. In 2 Corinthians 10, it says that though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. For our weapons have divine power for the pulling down of strongholds. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. It is an intentional, deliberate thing that every Christian has to be about. That when we wake up every day, we're going we're gonna to live for the glory of God. And this day, we're going to die a little bit more to self. And we're going to recognize the battle is real. And it's, and it's uh, raging. And, and, and we're going to recognize it for what it is. And we're going to die to self. And we're going to crucify the old man. And we're going to consider that person dead and buried. And every time that, that old person sticks their hand up out of the rocks, we're going to kill him again. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to kill him again. Kind of like that, that game, you know, our kids are now older, so thank the Lord we haven't had to go to Chuck E. Cheese's in years. <laughs> but now, you know, we got a grandbaby due any day now, actually any day now, and so I know, I know we're going to end up going back to Chuck E. Demons. Did I say Chuck E. Demons? I didn't mean that. Chuck E. Cheese's. But anyway, you know that game where, where it's like the, the prairie dog game, and, and so you got the mallet, and, every, and that, the prairie dog is always sticking its head up, and you're hitting it with the mallet, and then it sticks it, and then you hit the mallet again. That's a Christian life, friends. It's a mallet and prairie dog game where you're just like, oh, great, this sinful thought. Oh, great, this temptation. Oh, great, this thing. And you're just whack, whack. That's what you got to be about all day long. Just hitting those prairie dogs down, all right? Now, if you forget anything else I said tonight, you're going to remember that, aren't you? You're going to go home, and you're going to go, okay, I'm going to turn on the TV. Oh, prairie dog, bang, turn that off. That's just the way it's going to be. It's a prairie dog game the rest of your life until you die, and then you shed this body of flesh, and then you go to heaven, and then you got nothing left in that fleshly, miserable body of yours. Praise God in many different ways. And you, you, you don't rejoice unless you're older, but the older you get... The older you get, the more you rejoice. I'm getting a new glorified body. Who says amen to that? Amen. Amen. Yeah. And so no more, no more temptation, no more sagging and drooping and all nipping and tucking. Because it's all going to be glorified in one place. Yeah, there's a, there's a reason why the Bible describes the human body like a tent. All right. The Bible describes the human body like a tent. If you've been camping, you know, friends. I mean, after a while, tents smell. Do you know what I'm saying to you? You get that moldy smell. You can never get rid of it. It's just stuck with you. People smell you coming a mile away. Like, here comes that old tent. Tents, tents leak. There's some real truth to that, my friends. I'm telling you. And they sag, and you gotta, you gotta, you know, in the morning when you go camping, you know, and then during the night the dew settles and then, and then the whole thing is sagging. You got to get up and pull it tighter. There's a lot of truth, I'm telling you. There's just a lot of truth. Anyway, I, I digress. But, but you get the idea that this, this, the stuff about the fleshly life has to be dealt with. We can't, we can't pretend like it's not a battle because it's a constant battle until the day we die. We have to be courageous enough to be fighting it and to be putting to death the sinful nature. Now, he anticipates a second question here in verse 15. So here's the second question, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but let me read it first. Verse 15, he says, What what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? All right, so another way of saying it, number two on the screens, if we are no longer under the law, then are we free to live however we want? Right. That's what he's anticipating some people are going to abuse grace. Hope is an open ocean, jump in and you'll find 
We're so glad you joined us for this edition of Cornerstone Connection as we dig into the Book of Romans. Isn't Paul's faith inspiring? Did you know you can download our mobile app and take Cornerstone Connection with you wherever you take your phone? That way you'll never miss a message from Pastor Gary's studies and you'll always have encouragement from God's Word right at your fingertips. Find a link to download the app for your iPhone or Android device on our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd love to meet you in person, too, at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Stop in for a service this Sunday at 8.30, 10, or 11.45 a.m., or join us for our Bible study and fellowship on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Pastor Gary would love to shake your hand and answer any questions you may have about the study about Cornerstone Chapel, or about how you can have a relationship with God. Find out more at cornerstoneconnection.cc. You can listen to additional teachings from this study or read accompanying resources on our site as well. Just look under the Teachings tab. That's all we have for today, but join us next time to learn more from the Book of Romans right here on Cornerstone Connection. No place to go But still you know